Now, last Sunday, we prayed for quite a few people um, with stomach problems and digestion problems. And I just wondered whether, I don't know if, if any of those are back here tonight, and if anybody has got a testimony of how things change. Sometimes you can't notice eating things. And, and, and was it, oh yeah, come, come on up then, yeah. Is there anyone else? So we prayed for you last week in these stomach eating situations. And if you've got a testimony, do come and bring it. Because remember, um, testimony releases the power of God. And, um, and so that's, that's, that's wonderful. So if there's anyone else and you've got a testimony, come up and let us know. Hello, your name is? Florence. Florence. Uh, what, what did we... Yeah, come a bit closer. What, what did we pray for you for last week, Florence? Well, you made an announcement for stomach digestive problems. Um, I came in with health problems, and I had to figure out myself how to fit in and... I was rationalizing where that fitted in. One of the symptoms actually originated from my, uh, one of my salivary glands. So I figured that is digestive. I'm a bit from a bit of yeah, a medical yeah, background. Sure. So I came out anyway because uh, they were pretty serious problems. And uh, first I was there debating what, where it fitted. But I thought anyway, the healing power of God is here. I generally come to the 9 o'clock service, but I was led to come for the 7 o'clock. So I'm not a regular 7 o'clock person. That's okay. And I came here and I think I, I got the greatest deliverance, quite frankly. Yeah. So tell us yes. what happened then. Um, I just came up here and I was at the back. And they were praying for me. I'm not really sure that they even had touched me, but I, I noticed my, one of my hands was shaking. Um, and I couldn't really say what happened. I heard some screaming. I knew it was coming from me. It, it, it was just the most indescribable experience because I knew that that was the spirit of God delivering me. I knew that whatever was the problem was spiritual. I was very sure of that. Um, and I got home. I, I mean, it was just an experience I could hardly describe because they took me to the back to the welcome room and it continued so it was just the presence of God here and that's not all it continued for the next three four days at home alone um and that's why I'm back here the power because, of God on you you mean yeah the power of God and the deliverance yeah um and I had to phone my cell leader actually to tell her what had happened. And I asked if it was possible to get further help with whatever it is to be completely delivered. And, and I cannot believe, I mean, I was coughing literally like a mad dog last week. Uh, and here I am talking very freely without a cough. So, amen. So, what's it like, I mean, I don't know how, whether, how free you are to share what you've been delivered from, but what is it like to be delivered and what's the difference? First, I was having, I mean, I could go on here forever. I, I was having mouth ulcers that wasn't going away at all. It wasn't shifting. And I was coughing and coughing. I need to come like fits. Of cough. How long is this going on for? The last one month, I'm actually being investigated for something much okay. more serious. Got you. Okay. Okay. Um, so by faith, I just believe that that is broken. Yeah. I'm still waiting to go yeah. for a further investigation, yeah. and I'm believing God that that would show. Yeah. Understand. The hand, the stand of where I am. And how do you feel today? I feel song? great. Yeah. And that's the truth. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Tell everyone your name. Uh, okay, good evening. I'm John. And yeah, I'm one of the guys that came on this stage because I keep thinking, I would say 20, 30 years I have been on, I'm sure there's lots of people know the name. It's called a low sack. It's for uh, a high hernia. 
some years ago, I was told, yes, it definitely needs an operation, but it's quite severe. And if these tablets called LOSAC, or there is other names as well, different makers, uh, if they're working, I think you should just carry on with that. And then as years went on, I remember it's probably about five years ago, I had a doctor in Chiswick, and he actually insisted that I would have the operation. A few days later, because I was on other treatment for something else, uh, I said it to this other lady doctor, and she said, no, 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 please, don't do that, it's too. So I said, okay, I think I'll go with you. I don't want to have the operation. But I have to say, in the last two or three years, it's got very severe. And somebody suggested, maybe you should take two of these tablets a day instead of one. And I said, I don't really want to go down the road of taking tablets, you know, pushing them into my bowl. Anyway, the minute I heard Bruce saying what he said last Sunday night, I said, definitely, that's me. So I came with the group, and I was here, and Chris, which is now behind me, put his hand on me. He asked me what was my problem. I told him. He started to pray for me. And I felt like an electric shock going through my body. I did feel that. And I really, I think that even I started to cry at that stage. There was tears came because I did feel it. But I have to bring someone else back. When I left the stage, and I went back down and I sat where I was, and the lovely young lady that's sitting at the very back now, actually, I was sitting next to her, there was nobody else. And at the very end, as you call people to come if they want a prayer, she said to me, did you go up for the... And I said, yes, I did. I was putting my coat on to go. And she said, do you mind if I pray for you again concerning your... And I said, yes. And she cut my two hands, and we started to pray. Much more gentle hands than Chris. But <laughs> <laughs> so we started to pray, right? And yes, I felt that dringling again. I really did. Now it came to the point on Monday morning, because I must not, must not, at any time, stop taking this tablet. If I do, this is absolutely well known to me over the years. By two or three o'clock that day, I'm in bits with Eaton Rennie's, Gavaston, you name it, I have to take it. So I have to make a decision. And I spoke to this young lady on Tuesday night, actually. Uh, sorry, yeah, Tuesday night with uh, Soul Talk. And she asked me, how is it? I said, Monda was a little bit iffy. Tuesday today was a little bit. But I said, I'm going to claim tomorrow, Wednesday, it's gone. And she agreed. And the two of us stood up there. And she gave me a hug and said, I agree as well. And I have to say, I had to make the decision about the tablet. What do I do? Now, I had an experience similar before, but I'm not going to go into it. And I said, Lord, you healed me before from morphine. You're going to do this with this tablet. I'm not taking it. And I haven't taken a tablet from last Sunday morning to today. And I am healed as from Thursday. But I had to keep praying and praying and praying and keep asking God because it was inclined to come back and flare up. But Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and today, nothing. Wonderful. Thank you. Okay. It's all right, we've got yeah. time. My, Your well, name is? Uh, Mark. And yeah. you came for prayer, was it last week? No, it actually was um, about four weeks ago with my brother, Eddie, there. Okay, and what, what were you being Well, basically, um, you know, I, I was training as an English teacher over last summer, 2014. Yeah. And it took its toll, because I never really passed any qualifications uh, when I was younger. And I, I had to give up some work in order to pass, pass this foundation degree of which I did. And then um, basically I couldn't really get the work back I needed. And then um, I found myself uh, getting behind on the payments where I lived. And then I actually became homeless and unemployed at the same time. But I knew I would always, I always had the Lord and um, I kept as close to him as I could. Anyway, um, eventually there was one guy who I used to live with in the same house um, probably about two years ago, a uh, Bulgarian guy. Wasn't close to the Lord, but always listened to the Lord. 
And uh, he knew of somewhere where I could actually share a room because I was prepared to share a room to keep the rent down. And so the law provided this room where I didn't actually share. I had the room for about two or three weeks on my own, which was pretty good. And then eventually the landlord, who was a friend of my Bulgarian um, friend, started filling the house. How does it, I don't want to push you, but I have got to, how yeah, does sure. that get you to the platform to be Well, I'll tell you why, yeah. because basically 12 other people joined that household right. within a month. Right. So it was 13 people living there, very, very busy, very overcrowded. And I really wanted to keep my praying in tongues going in the morning. And I said to the Lord, I really would like my own room. Anyway, I got work again, full-time Good. teaching swimming and water aerobics. Good. You know, praise God. And then I came to prayer group here, uh, sorry, the S- S- Sunday service group yeah. here a month ago. So I knew if I kept with the Lord, he would provide. Yeah. And now, within 24 hours, last uh, Monday night, I've got my own room. Oh, excellent. Because what's interesting is, and, and honestly, that money was provided. The interesting thing is, is that I wanted to pray in tongues in my own room yeah. and pray. Yeah. I didn't mind praying outside. But the Lord provides, so did you, you know, come, yeah. did you get special prayer here on a Sunday night for that? Yeah, I did. Um, I came to the front yeah. and saw Roy. And he prayed for you in the next day, was it? That's right. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. yeah. Thanks you know, for that. So. That's great news. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. So Brilliant. Brilliant. Wonderful. Well, we're going to be praying for people as the Holy Spirit leads us next week. But we, we seem to be getting rolling testimonies, don't we? Um, this this year, which we're very pleased about. I'm very grateful for when, not only when you get blessed from being prayed for by the ministry team or wherever it happens here, but it's so important when you do give a testimony because it releases the power of God into other people's lives. So thank you for testifying. Um, I'd like you to turn to your Bibles to John chapter 4, verse 46. I'm going to speak a little bit on this and then we're going to minister as the Holy Spirit uh, wants to lead us today. John 4, verse 46. So, Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come to Judea, to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his servant was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. The father knew that that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed and all his whole household. Now this was the second sign that Jesus did when he'd come from Judea to Galilee. The word that I've got from from this is... uh, or the, or the title, if you like, is A Word to Journey On. A Word to Journey On. In John's Gospel, we have seven signs, seven specific signs. John was aware of the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and um, realized that he didn't have to fill in all the details, that he could be selective about which of the accounts, the healing accounts, or any of the accounts that the Holy Spirit would highlight to him. So that's why in John's Gospel, uh, you have signs and what we call discourses. Often there will be a sign, and then there will be a discourse or a sermon that's attached by it by Jesus. Because John wants us to go a little bit deeper in our understanding of the miracles that Jesus did and uh, what they are saying to us. Because every miracle, do you know, every miracle is a sermon. That's why I'm grateful for the testimonies tonight. Couldn't spend that much time on them, but every testimony is a sermon. Every testimony is a sermon of God's interaction in someone's life and situation, sickness, accommodation needs. And so every, every, every miracle is a sermon. Now, in 
the synoptic gospels, which means same, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they record a lot of the miracles, but they don't, it's not their aim to go into depth of, about what sermon comes out of each miracle. But John does that. Now, this is the second sign. The first sign that Jesus did in John's gospel was the turning of water into wine. And so here he is back in Cana in Galilee, back where he turned water into wine. And an official has heard about him at Capernaum. And uh, this official, the, the exact word in the Greek is kingly. So he's of the kingly household. He might indeed be uh, part of the kingly family of um, Herod or whoever, we, we don't know. But this is a royal official, sometimes the translation says. And his son is very ill. And um, there's nothing he can do about it. He's tried everything. He's a kingly official, carrying great authority. He'd have brought the best doctors, the best medicine. He'd have tried everything. And it must have been difficult for him because he was used to be being obeyed. He was used to telling people what to do. He was used to ordering other people's lives around. He was a man of authority, an official, but the, he had no authority over what was going on in his son's life. And that's very difficult for somebody who's used to be in control. I don't know about if there's anybody here that suffers from being a control freak, but um, if you like to be in control, then uh, when you're not in control, that's when you start manifesting fear, worry, anger, and all that lot. And God has a way of putting us in situations and circumstances that we are no longer uh, in control. And uh, that is some of the best times of learning and growing is when you're out of your depth, or you think you're out of your depth. It's out of control. You're not in control. You, you, you need to call on God. And this sickness, although the official didn't know about it, this sickness was going to bring salvation to his own household. I don't know if this official would ever have gone to Jesus if his son hadn't been at death's door. Why would he? He was an official. God has a way of bringing circumstances into our lives that thrust us into relationship with God that we would not have if we had not been through those circumstances. Although having said that, I think God would like us to learn rather than, than be pushed into all sorts of different circumstances. And so, you know, what, one, of the, one of the best things to do is stay leaning on the Lord even when things are going well. When things are going well, when things are going smoothly, don't get arrogant. Don't think that you're in control. Don't think that you've got the authority. Dig deeper into God. Because I'm convinced that we go, some of us go through things that we didn't need to go through. I know things I think in my life, I look back, I didn't need to go through those things. There's other things, tough times, trials, tests, that I did need to go through. And I thought, yep, that was definitely on God's agenda for me. But there's other times where I think, you know, God has been almost forced by my uh, lack of pressing into him to get my attention again. And so I just say that for some people that are here today. So he hears the news of a carpenter called Jesus. And desperation has really kicked in. And he's desperate for anything now. I mean, his son is at death's door. And so instead of sending somebody to get him, he went himself. He was an official. He could have sent his servants. We find that later on, his servants went to meet him. He could have sent someone to go and see, but he was so desperate, he wanted to see this Jesus himself. He wanted an audience. And he didn't have time to send for Jesus and then for Jesus to be brought back. He wanted to get there as soon as possible, use all his authority to try and get this... Um, uh, carpenter to, 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 to do whatever he can do. And so he comes up to Jesus and asks him to come down and heal his son for he was at the point of death. And Jesus, there's two ways of reading verse 48, either rebukes him or makes a statement. And it could be either. Jesus could be saying it like this in verse 48. He could be like, you know, shaking his head and thinking, what? Unless you people see signs and wonders, you just won't believe, will you? He could be saying it like that. Or equally in the Greek, he could be saying, do you know, unless you see signs and wonders, you're not going to believe. So it could be a negative way of saying it, or a positive way, and I take both, because it could be either. And so here's a man, he's in desperate need, he comes to Jesus, 
And Jesus either says, either rebukes him, and many commentaries say it is a rebuke, and says, well, you, you know, unless you see signs and wonders, you simply won't believe. Or he's making a statement that signs and wonders are important in the preaching of the gospel. And of course, Jesus did say, didn't he, to John the Baptist when Matthew chapter 11, John the Baptist sent a message because John the Baptist was wondering, is this the Messiah or not? Because he's not doing what I thought he would be doing. I thought he was going to bring judgment. I thought he, was, he had the winnowing fork in his hand. I thought he was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And John, I think, thought fire would be judgment. And yet he's not doing this. So he sends word with his disciples, are you the one? Or uh, to, or to expect one another. And Jesus says, go and tell John both what you hear and you see. The blind see, the lepers are cleansed, uh, and uh, the gospel is to the poor. It was an audio-visual gospel. Now, now, Jesus healed people because he cared for them. Sometimes I think in the charismatic church, healings, you know, are paraded. You know what I mean? It's like someone gets a healing and they're paraded. And it's almost like, you know, look at, you know, and I don't like that. I don't think these testimonies were paraded. I think it was people sharing what God had done in their lives. But I have seen over the years in charismatic ministries a sort of parading of miracles I'm not comfortable with um, because um, that's not what it's about. We share the news, we let people testify, but, you know, sometimes it's almost like the miracle is more important than the person. It's not. Jesus thought the person was important, and that's why he gave them a miracle. And the official is like, well, whatever. Sir, come down before my child dies. He's like desperately thinking, I haven't got time for a theological conversation. Or if Jesus was rebuking him, he'll take the rebuke. He just wants his son healed. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. And that was it. Now, that's where I really want to focus because this was a major official. You know, when, when rich and famous people come into the church, um, they, they usually expect to be seen by the most senior leader. That's what their expectation is. I've just written my commentary on the, on, on the, letter, of, the letter of James coming out in September. And one of the biggest um, teachings in the letter of James is for rich and famous people. If, if you're rich or famous, then James has got a specific message tailored for you. And the message is, get to the back of the queue. Get to the back of the queue and watch yourself because you're in the most dangerous position that a Christian can be in. And um, God doesn't think much to you because you may be rich, but the probability is that you're poor in faith. Now, that's me being sensitive with the message. Just wait till you read James itself. And so G Jesus didn't go around looking for rich people. Didn't go around looking for famous people. If they came to him, he would respond to them as he did here. But that wasn't his goal. He wasn't going around looking for a major ministry in the Houses of Parliament or, 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 or trying to find great footballers or great media people. Those people were not his prime objective. He gave his manifesto in Luke chapter 4 and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me to preach the gospel to the rich and famous, to those that are in magazines, no, to the poor. And guess what? Poor means poor. There's even been a scurrilous way of using that word ptokos, poor in the Greek, to say poor means just everybody. No, there's another word in the Greek that means for everybody. Poor means poor. Poor means those that nobody thinks of, those that aren't resourced, those that aren't famous. Jesus came for, for, for the little people. That's who he came for. Those that were ostracized, especially those that were pushed out of society. Those who were Jesus came to. Now, I say that because this man was rich. This man had authority. This man had standing. And it's a testimony to him, in a sense, he was so desperate, he came to Jesus, but Jesus didn't sit him down, didn't give him a KT standing order. I might have done that, but Jesus didn't give him a KT standing order before he, uh, he, he dealt with his issue. And uh, in, fact, he didn't, in fact, if he did rebuke him, as commentary said, he, he sort of rebuffed him. If he did, if this is a rebuke, unless you believe, you know, you're only here because of your need. What about a higher faith? And then when the official said, please come down, to my he didn't even go to his house. 
He didn't even accompany him. He didn't pay him much attention at all, actually. He just turned to him and said, go, your son will live. And that was it. And end of conversation. Now, I think that the official was prepared to take this because he was in such desperate need. You know, he's just grasping for anything. Do you know, if your son is going to go into surgery and the consultant is rude to you, and it's a life-giving surgery, and the consultant's a bit rude to you, you don't pull the operation, do you? You say, no, this is too important. And he went away, because that's what Jesus said. And it says, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. He took the word, and he went on his journey back to his son. And that was a journey of increasing faith, because we see a maturing in this man's faith from the beginning right to the end, where he has his faith confirmed, and not only that, his whole household believed. And and this is the language of a believer now. And so he's given this word, go, your son will be healed, and he takes it. He's got all the wealth in the world, he's got all the position in the world, he's a kingly person, but, but what has he been given by Jesus? Jesus is not accompanying him back. Jesus is not going to walk in the house. Jesus is not going to lay hands on his son. Jesus has simply given him five words. Go, your son will live. That's all Jesus has given him. Five words. No money, no medicine, nothing. Just five words and sent him on his way. And it says that something inside him believed. Something about Jesus, something about seeing him, something about being in his presence made him, made him think that, that what Jesus was saying may come to pass. And so he's on a journey, and think about this. He's got these words, and now he's journeying. He doesn't know, as we will know later, as we know when we read later, he doesn't know that the minute that Jesus said, Go, your son lives. The minute he said that, your son will live, the boy was being, getting better and being healed. The very moment that Jesus spoke the word, it was a done deal. It was finished. God, he didn't know that. He still had a journey. He had to go all the way back to Capernaum. And as he's walking there, that was taking a long time. And he's thinking over that. And you you can imagine, because he's a human being, he believes, but there's a struggle to keep in faith. He believes, but why didn't Jesus come with him? He believes, but why why couldn't there have been more of an audience? He believes, but he's thinking, why why was I rebuked before I got this word? He believes and he thinks, why didn't he treat me with the respect that everybody else and all the other doctors treated me? But he did say he would heal. And so... He's got all these issues going on, on his journey back to his son. And the issue is not just about his son, the issue is about his life, his expectations, who he thinks he is, how he expects to be treated. He didn't expect it to happen. He never expected his son to be ill at death's door. That wasn't on his plan. He called the shots. He said what was happening. He had the money, but now the situation was out of control, forcing him to go to a carpenter, a poor carpenter who sends him on his way with a sentence. Now, I want us to think about this in our own lives because Jesus wants to give all of us a word to journey with. A word to journey with. This is how God operates. In situations that we face or circumstances, God wants to give us a word, a word that we can journey with. And that word will take us to our destination. And so this man was carrying this word and he was hoping and believing, but he had to journey before he saw it happen. God speaks today. How many of you know that? God speaks to his children today. God gives us a fresh word today. The Bible is a wonderful book, but without the Spirit, you know, it's it's useless. The Bible without the Spirit is useless. Uh, If you don't have the Spirit working in you, and the Spirit breaking and bringing the Word to you, it's absolutely useless. That's why Jehovah's Witness can read it every day, and it veils them nothing. Why? Because they're not reading it with Spirit. 
and, and it avails them nothing. That's why a Mormon can read his Bible, it avails him nothing, because they're not reading it with the Spirit. But once the Spirit comes on the Word, everything ch changes. Uh, Hebrews 4, God's Word is living and active, like a two-edged sword, cuts both ways. How does it cut both ways? It cuts into your character, into your mindset, into who you are as a person. It cuts into your development, but it also cuts into your circumstance. And so this word, go your way, go your son will live, was a two-edged sword. It was a rhema word. It was a word with spirit and life. And it cut both ways, two-edged sword. It cut into the sickness and destroyed it. Your son lives. But it also was two-edged. It cut into the heart of the man, and, and I suppose when I say cut into the heart, I mean it surgically be, began to do surgery on his heart, sharper than a two-edged sword. The picture, the modern-day picture to me is like a scalpel. So this word cut into the circumstances, but equally it cut into the heart of the person. And I really want you to get that, because that's my major, that's my prophetic word <coughs> for you tonight generally. That the word of God cuts into your circumstance, but at the same time, it's cutting into you. It's revealing things in your life that need to be adapted. When you go Hebrews 4 and you carry on, it says that we are all open and naked before the eyes of God, who sees everything. That's what it Two-edged sword cuts in, opens up, reveals, uh, exposes. And so what was going on in this passage was this man's life was being exposed by the scalpel of God's word at the same time that God's word was dealing with the circumstance that he was in. You see, I think sometimes we want God to deal with the circumstance and we don't realise that he also wants to deal with us too. You know, we want the healing, praise the Lord. We want the breakthrough, we want the job, we want the accommodation. We want this, we want that, we want the other. We want the breakthrough, fantastic. But I think sometimes we focus on those things. He was, this, this official, he was just focused on the circumstance, the sickness of his son. But really, Jesus was not just dealing with the sickness of his son, he was dealing with the man's soul. He didn't realize it at the time, but the way that Jesus dealt with him was exactly the way that he needed to be dealt with in order for something to take place in his life. And it cut, and it hurt, and he wasn't used to it. <coughs> but it was just what the Holy Spirit wanted him to do. So this process, this journey of this word, it was working in his circumstance. His son was healed. He didn't know it. But it was also working in his heart. It was making him think. He'd had an encounter with God. He'd been spoken a word directly and personally into his circumstance, and he was trying to work it through. Until, of course, we read that his servants met him and told them that his son was recovering. <coughs> and he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said the seventh hour. And the father knew that that was the hour when Jesus said to him, and it repeats it, doesn't say that was the hour Jesus healed him. He knew that that was the hour that he got his rhema word. He knew that that was the moment that he had his personal spiritual word from God. Your son will live. And he himself Believed. Well, we said he already believed. This is a different level of believing. This is, this is discipleship faith. Not only that, but all his household. He told them everything. And isn't it interesting? This is the second sign, or miracle, John's word for miracle sign, that John put in his gospel. Interesting. Only did seven signs, seven miracles, but this is the second one. If you were writing a gospel, and you could only put seven uh, miracles in it. Would you have chosen this one? I don't know. Maybe you'd have chosen the water into wine. It's a great way to start a ministry because it, it says so much, but I don't know if you'd have chosen this one. I wonder which seven miracles you would chose because this, this miracle, we don't actually see anything happen. You know what I'm saying? It's not like the bread, it's not like, you know, the bread was multiplied or he walked on the water. Uh, th th this is simply Jesus giving somebody a word Somebody walking with that word and then hearing a report that the moment Jesus gave him that word, it really had all happened. And so what does this mean for us? It means that God wants to speak to you. And uh, I, I do, from time to time, speak about this issue 
And, I call, and what I call these types of words that this man got, I call them sticky words. Sticky words. You say, why? Because they're words from God that stick. Because you, you can read the Bible. Generally speaking, we, we have two Greek words that we use for the word of God. Many of you know this, and if you don't, it's time for you to know. It's good for you to know. We, we call this word logos. In the beginning was the word, and the word is with God. In the beginning was the logos, and the logos was with, was with God. And when we use that to, to talk about the Bible, we're talking about the whole counsel of God. So we are students, I hope, of the Bible. We read it from cover to cover. We have our daily reading plans and our daily prayer things that we, we give to you or we fi find our own. And we read the Word and we study the Word and we listen to sermons and we, we want to grow in our general knowledge of the Word because the more we know God's Word, the more He can make it alive to us. You know, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in John's Gospel that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance everything that he said to us. He can't bring it to remembrance if there's nothing to remember. That's why we need to study God's word as much as we are able and, and learn about God's word and, and sit under God's word and God's preaching and, 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 and teaching and from the pulpit and learn, learn, learn as much as we can about the whole counsel of God because then at the right moment, the Holy Spirit can not only bring it into remembrance, but he can activate it in your life. Because not all of this is activated in your life. Do you know that? I mean, the book of Revelations, we're getting close, but there's lots of prophecy in here in the world that's yet to be activated, correct? And also there's words of healing here, words of prosperity, words of breakthrough, words of courage. Isn't there? There's words for everything, isn't there? But not all of them are activated all of the time in your life. That's the whole counsel of God, the Logos. But we also have another word that we use for the word of God that's in, that's in the Greek. New Testament is written in Greek. First word, logos, the whole counsel of God. But also, there's a second word, and we call that rhema. Rhema. And that's a Greek word also for word. And interestingly enough, when uh, we, we, we go to Ephesians chapter 6, and it speaks about the whole armor of God, there's only one offensive weapon that's to do with that armor, and it's the sword of the, which is the word, and the word is not logos. This, is, this, this, this logos is too big for me to use in individual spiritual warfare. I can't, what word am I, I don't even know where to start. Which promise? I don't know. But what Paul says in Ephesians is the rhema, which is the sword of the spirit. It's not just some, some, some scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. It's the spirit wielding. It's not even you wielding the sword. Oh, I've got the sword of the spirit. Well, put it down. It's not your sword. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's sword. He's the one that wields it through your faith. And so the sword of the spirit, which is the rhema, of God. You see? And so, this was his rhema. And God wants to give you a word. When and how? That's up to the Holy Spirit. He wields the sword. But he wants to give you a word. And this isn't about now, like, running from pillar to post. Can you give me a word? Can you give me a word? Can you give me a word? We're not talking about immature silliness. We're talking about a keen spiritual ear to discern when God is speaking to us. And when he is giving us a word. What I have here is a book of words. All these things here are rhema words into my life. I keep them, I write them down. Some of them are lifelong type words that God has given me. Some of them uh, were for a week or a day and have been fulfilled. All types of words. And what is this? This is when the Holy Spirit takes the scripture or sit and speaks into my word and gives me a word for a journey. Right now I've got a word that's slapped on my wall. I've stuck it on my wall and it's a word. For, I'm in that season. It's a word for me. It's a scripture. I was watching television at Christmas and I flicked to one of the Christian channels and somebody mentioned this scripture and it hit me. 
I thought, what? I've never heard that. Well, I had heard it, but I'd not heard it being wielded by the Spirit in my life. And it came out at me. And I thought, I listened to that. And I thought, this is really interesting. That word has arrested me. That word has grasped me. That word has, has got something in me. And I went away and I checked it out. And I thought, God is speaking to me now through this particular word. And, and then I, I prayed over it and I just waited. I thought, well, let's see. Let's see if tomorrow it's like, nah. But no, it grew stronger and stronger. And then I begin to see how it's to be applied in my life. And I have this couple of verses, a few verses, and it was a word for me, and I'm living it right now. And it's allowing me to get through some things. It's allowing me to deal with some things. Nothing massive or horrendous, but I am, that word is being wielded by the Holy Spirit in my life. And it's allowing me to focus and to walk a journey to a destination. Just like this man got the words, the rhema word, your son will live, so I had a word. You say, how long is that word going to last? I don't know, it's a season. It's in my book. And so God wants to speak to us. That's not saying we don't read our Bibles anymore. No, we have to study our Bibles to be awake, woke. The amount of times God has spoken to me in little ways or big ways through my daily Bible reading, my regular Bible reading. Many times I've, I've had a word. Now, these words come in different shapes and different forms. And if you're a Christian, there should be things that God has spoken into your life that you are living out. Not just the general study. Sometimes I meet Christians and they're like, um, and I talk to them and I say, well, tell me about your walk with the Lord. And their sort of reaction is, well, I, you know, I'm moral. I, 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 I take a standing order. I tithe. I, I, don't, I don't get drunk. I, I'm good to my wife. I'm, and they're giving me a nice you know, answer. I'm a, basically, they're saying, I'm a Christian. I've got my struggles, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a reasonably moral Christian. But that's not what I, I don't want to hear. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, every character in the Bible that was a man or woman of God had a journey with God. And that journey was with specific promises and words that are in their lives. Tried and promised words. I'm not saying you can't miss it and think you heard God. There's times I thought I've heard God and haven't. You know, but if you're, if you're open to make mistakes and you share it with people that are close to you, then, you know, I found that more often than not, the more I've studied the Bible, the more I'm familiar with the Bible, the more I get to know his, his word. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and these people, Abraham had no Bible, but he had a word, go to the promised land. He had a word, you'll have an Isaac. And that's all he needed. And all his future life and his maturity was based on those words. When he failed morally or failed faithlessly, he failed according to the promise that he dismissed. So he failed when he gave his wife up as his sister two times. Why? Because the promise was, Sarah will give you a child. When he had Ishmael, he failed. Why? Because the promise was, you'll have Isaac. He didn't have, he didn't have, his ten, he didn't have ten commandments if you went to Abraham and said, name three of the Ten Commandments, say, ten what? So he wasn't living, it wasn't, his morality was high when he was close to what God had spoken him to do on his journey. His morality or failing was low when he departed from God's destiny for him. It was the same with all the patriarchs. It's the same with Jacob. Jacob was given a promise to his mother, the elder will serve the younger. Jacob's problem was that he couldn't trust God to do it. He kept doing his own twisting, lied to his father, um, twisting, turning, deceiving his brother, getting his brother in a weak place and telling him to sell his inheritance. No wonder he end, even ended up wrestling with God. And God, God had to put him out of action to get him in the right place. So Jacob's problem was that he didn't know how to work the promises of God. He didn't know how to trust God and walk with God. It wasn't until the end of his days that, that, that he could do that. All these people. Jesus had, had a word from the Father to walk on. You know, he didn't just come and think, oh, I'm the Son of God and I'll... What? He had what, he'd looked to the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit 
had revealed to him certain specific prophecies and said, that's you, Jesus. The virgin shall give birth and they'll call him Emmanuel. I mean, they're there, aren't they, in the Gospels? And you read these things at Christmas time. I called my son out of Egypt and uh, all, all these type and Bethlehem, you, you know, you're, 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 you're the lowest, but you'll be the... You read these prophecies and you think, oh, these are rhema words. These are what Jesus walked on. He quoted these scriptures that the Holy Spirit had put in his heart. He knew that according to the scriptures that God would not see his Holy One see decay. That was a rhema word to Jesus. So when Jesus quotes scripture and refers to scripture, it's not just because he's, he knows the Bible and is the word, it's because those words were given to him by the Father for his journey to the cross and through the cross. It was rhema words. And so my question to you is, you know, how has God been speaking to you in your life? When I first understood these things, I, di I didn't just say, well, what has God spoken to me this week? I looked at my life since I was born. And I thought, where has God spoken over my life? I could even find places, significant places, like when I was a boy, seven, eight years of old, my Father had been in hospital for two years with Crohn's disease, complicated Crohn's disease. And my father figure was my football manager, Mr. Canterbury. And, uh, uh, and, and you know, I valued him and he valued me very much too. We, had, we, we, we connected. He was a rough Yorkshire builder, man, build, builder and a manager. But one day he turned to my mum my out of nothing and said, he's going to be a vicar one day. And I thought, why did he say that? Why did he say that? I thought, that's interesting. And a seed was sown. They wouldn't let me in the Anglican church. I'm a pastor today, but it's near enough. And anyway, he wouldn't even know what a pastor was. A seed was sown. That was God. Now, I wasn't even saved. Yes? But something, a rape, something that kept popping up on my journey. Even, as a, even when I was a young teenager, and I thought I was an atheist. There was this thing that was there. He's going to be a vicar one day, said by the most, one of the most influential men in my life as a young boy in those formative years. I had no idea what he had, he had done. And, 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 and everything. there's other times. Now, God, now, none of this takes away from scripture or doctrine. In fact, the more doctrinal you are, the more scriptural you are, the more you're following the general principles of the word, the safer you are and the more God is likely to give you personal direction. So if you're a wacky weirdo, then uh, tonight's not for you. You need to get down and read basic doctrine, because you'll start being weird and hearing stuff that's not from the Lord. But if you're a disciple who's walking on with the Lord, even if you're a new believer, then God is going to drop things in your heart, give you intuitions. Now these can come from scriptures, they can come, someone can pray over you and, have, and say, you know, I just feel led to pray about this. And it's God leading them to pray about something specifically. It's a sticky word. Or someone could just say, I just feel the Lord wants to say to you. And, and you test it and you try it and you share it with your cell, cell friends and say, yeah, this, this is from God. How do you know? Well, it, it, it's, it, it makes sense and it, and it sticks to me. You know, sometimes somebody can come up to you and say something and it just goes right over your head, doesn't it? It doesn't stick. It's a nice word, but it doesn't stick. Sometimes you can hear a scripture, hear a word, hear a sermon. Someone can pray a prayer, and something sticks to you. It doesn't leave you. That's what I'm talking about. That's the Holy Spirit that is, that is on it. And this comes in many different forms. I remember Colin talking about when he was driving a car one day. And just what he needed to hear, just what he needed to see, he, he, he was driving, he looked up, and he saw a beer advert. And the beer advert simply said, take courage, which is, a, which is an, a beer. Take courage, just what he needed to hear. You say, was that the Holy Spirit? Yes, why? Because it was, it was sticky. If, if we'd looked up and seen take courage, it would mean nothing to us. We're, we're looking at bill, bill posters and adverts and, and things all the time, aren't we? But at that moment, at that time, he looked up, he saw take courage, and it was God speaking to him. God can speak in many diverse and different ways. It'll always be in line with his teaching. But it's surprising how God can speak. Surprising how he can talk to us. Now, now God speaks in seasons. God can give you fresh manna for a day. 
He can give you a word just to encourage you for a day. He can if he wants. He, he can give you a word for your life. He can give you a prayer line. I've got another book I didn't bring on, which is a red book. And in that, I've got prayer lines, a little red one, same size. What do I do? God gives me a prayer line. Because I found that what was happening, I was praying for things again and again. And when I'd pray for them, I'd get an unction, an anointing, or a flow. And I'd begin to pray in a certain way, or I might get a scripture. And then when I pray about it next time, I'd forgotten. It was like Groundhog Day, starting all over again again. And so I thought, well, this is a prayer line for a person. Or this is a prayer line for a situation. Or this is a scripture that I've been given to pray. I, I need to put the topic of what I'm praying about and what God, and how God has led me in prayer so far. What's that? That's, this is Holy Spirit living, friends. This is being led. It says the sons and daughters of the Spirit will be led by the Spirit. So not, not, not by dry doctrine, but led by the Spirit who will never go against true doctrine. And so I ask you, and I do this every so often. I've done sermons on Abraham where I've come out there. I ask you, where, where, where do you put down things you think God is speaking to you about? Because there was a time when, I was, when these things were coming and I wasn't even writing them down, even testing them, even giving them a chance to see if they would stick or lose their stickiness. I, I was, it was just, they'd go in one ear and out another. Or I'd remember, or I'd forget, oh, what was that word? Or I'd have a word from the Lord from the scriptures or from a situation, from an advert, from music. God has often spoken to me, sometimes, just the right song at the right time. You know that song, I Can See Clearly Now? That song, I, I, was, I, I couldn't see clearly. It was cloudy. And I remember that song. is very special to me because it was my favorite advert from the cinema back in the early 80s. And it was like this lovely beetle would go down to the um, sea, seaside and it would be raining. And then all of a sudden, the, the rain would clear, the cloud would, would clear, and, and then he'd make himself a coffee in his car. And it was, I could see clearly now, the, and all the clouds have gone, and the rain have gone. And, um, and that's a special song to me, I, I, but I hadn't thought about it. And then I was in a situation where I couldn't see, and, all of, and then all of a sudden, the, thing, the song, I just began to sing it in my mind. But not like other songs that I begin to sing in my mind. I began to sing it, and the Holy Spirit was strongly on it. And I thought to myself, I'm going to come out into a clarity in this situation. I don't know when. I didn't know when. I didn't know how. But I knew it was a done. I had a word to travel on. He didn't know about his son. He'd been given a word. He was going to be healed. I'd been given a song. The Holy Spirit was all on it. It's not just me remembering songs. It was the right moment. It was sticky. And I thought, I'm going to come out into a very clear place. And it was, it was like, I don't know when, when I was going to experience that, but it was like, I've got another word for another little journey. And one day, like that man, I will journey and I'll come. I won't find my son healed, but the word says, I'll come to a clear place. The clouds will have gone. The rain would have gone. The mist would have gone. Like my favorite advert in the Odeon way back on those years, it's just going to clear away. Don't really, didn't really fully understand how that would manifest or what that would mean, but know enough about walking with the Spirit to know that it was God. You learn to hear the, the word of the Holy Spirit. You won't be perfect overnight, but I tell you what, God will make sure that something gets through to you. And then you begin to know the voice of God. So you need a prophetic notebook. I, mean, I, speak, I had lunch with Brett, didn't I, Brett, last week? And I was so blessed because we sat down and he got out his sticky word book. And he said, and we began to talk about some of the stuff and, 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 and what the Holy Spirit was saying. We were sharing. I'm so glad that he wrote it down. Because unless he's got a perfect memory, I don't know whether all of the, what he wrote down when it was fresh to him would have been put down. It would have been the gist of it, wouldn't it? Or I think it was sort of like this and sort of like that. And so writing that down gave a pattern. And what I've found that over the years, sometimes I have a season where I get sticky words quite often. Bang, bang, bang. Maybe a series of a few in, in a couple of weeks. It, it could be from the word. It could be from a situation, prophecy, advert, whatever it is. God can speak through anything. And sometimes I find I go through a season of weeks or months where I don't get anything like that. But that's okay. Why? Because I walk with what I've got. 
I go back to what I've got. So these can be seasons. These can be things. I've got a scripture in here. I've got a whole scripture in here that describes my whole ministry. What's going to happen, where it's going to go. It's, it's an Old Testament scripture. And, and it's got, it doesn't have dates and times. But it is my lifelong ministry scripture. I can see the stage that I'm at. I can see where I'm en- going to end up. That's my whole life there. And then I have little, little, little words that are for a week or a specific situation. This isn't some game or some, oh, that's fun. We're charismatics. We're looking for sticky words. It's not a game. It's not a play thing. It's called life. It's called life. It's called walking with the Lord on a journey with the words that he gives you. Now, in the absence of hearing from God, you just apply the principles of Scripture, don't you? So I don't hear a word of God for everything. Sometimes God's word is you're not going to get a word. There's been situations where I have not heard anything, nothing at all. But I've learned when I hear nothing at all, that's God's purpose. I don't get stroppy anymore. Why haven't I heard from you? Why haven't you spoken to me? I'm thinking, ah, there's purpose. There's a reason. You don't need to speak to me. You want me to trust you as you am, or you'll order my steps. I'll go with what I know and just trust you without a word, you see? But I tell you, we've got to live life. And, and, and what I'm telling you tonight is a jewel. It is a jewel, a spiritual jewel I'm telling you tonight. You get yourself a book. You go back over your life, you think of the, the sticky words, the words that have meant m- much to you over the time, and you, you write them down, right, it's your history. This is my personal history with God. The good times, the bad times, the tough times, the times I, the times I succeed and times I failed spiritually. This is my history. It's also got the now times and the future times, although the futures are vaguer. You know what I'm saying? I want you to have one. I want you to have a living relationship. I don't just want you to be a moral Christian, hoping that you're doing the right principles. That's great. Have your principles. That's what keeps you strong. But where you will grow, mature, is on the journey. These rhema words, the word that he got, they cut both ways. They will help you deal with what you're going through or the season that you're in. They will deal with the external situations. And give you the eventual breakthrough. They'll deal with it. So, but they will also be the very words that cause you to grow. We have to move from immaturity. There are people in this place today, no offense, because I don't know you by name, you have stagnated. You haven't grown in God. You haven't grown in God for months in some cases, years. Not really, not, not substantially. Some of you are living in past eras. I know people that are living in, are living still as if they were living in the in 80s Christianity. The, 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 the stuff they talk about is 80s Christianity. There's nothing wrong with it. But God, the Holy Spirit, is now in 2015. And you're like a blast from the past. You can go into churches that are stuck in the 1950s. They haven't even decorated. You know, Pentecostal churches haven't even decorated for 50 years. They haven't even changed their clothes for 50 years. You think, what is this? It's a blast from the past. And that can happen in a church. A church can live in its past. Oh, the glory years. If you're you're back in the glory years, then get out, because we've got to start some new glory years. We've moved on from those so-called glory years. They're not the glory years anymore. We're moving on. It can happen in the church level. People get stuck in a doctrine, stuck in a wave of God. And when the new wave comes, they don't even recognize it. They still think they're the new thing. And individuals... What, what, where is the growth? Where is the depth? Where is the movement? Where is the change? I'm not saying it all happens overnight. And many of you here are growing tremendously in this time of the deep move of God. And God is dealing with the inner things, with the two-edged sword that's cutting both way and that. But there are some people here, uh, you've been in Christ so long, you've, you just haven't changed. You're no different than you were five years ago. For good or for bad, you're just no different. You've just grown a little bit older and a little bit worldly wiser. You need... To take this seriously and say, God, give me the two-edged sword. Give me the sticky words that are not just going to cut outwards, but are going to cut inwards and expose and change. Take me to that deep place you want to be. I don't want to be, I am not the same, I've said this a few times in the beginning of the year. I am not the same man I was a year ago. That's my testimony. 
I am not the same man I was six months ago. I'm a totally different person. You say, I don't notice. Well, you might not notice. I know. I am radically different as a Christian today as I was um, a month, uh, about a month and a half ago. Radically changed, radically different. You say, I haven't noticed anything. God has. I have. And I'm enjoying change. I'm enjoying growing. I'm enjoying deeper. I'm enjoying learning. I'm enjoying, and, and these words are very much part of it. This man changed on the way home. And when he got home, others were changed. Amen? We're, gonna, we're just going to uh, uh, stand together. And, and what we're going to do next week, I'm going to spend more time believing God for specific miracles on the platform. But this week, I, th- I just felt I want to deliver something prophetic to you. Get yourself a decent notebook, not some rubbish thing that you'll lose. Something decent. And, and even tonight, or the next few days, I've got homework for you, I'll check next week. I want you to go through the times God has spoken to you. I want to make sure that there's something there. You say, well, God's never spoken to me. That's all right. Just open your ears and wait, because you'll discern when, he, when it happens. The ministry team are going to be here at the front. We're just going to worship the Lord for a while. If you need to go, you're welcome to go. Ministry team at the front. And if there's anything you need prayer for, a lot of the miracles, if we can use that phrase, or healings or breakthroughs, if you, as you heard, take place here at the front when we minister to people. And so a lot of things can happen. So if you've got anything you want prayer for, from accommodation to healing or, or a breakthrough or wisdom, then just for the next 10 minutes or so, feel free to come. And, uh, and God bless you. and Have a wonderful week.